1: Hello, 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 and welcome. This is Talk the Plank, episode 56, a podcast on SB Nation's Bucks Dugout. I'm your host, Nathan Hirsch, joined, as always, by Jake Slobodnik. And we have a guest today. Jake, what's going on? Well, what's going on is we got
2: one of the new faces to the Pirates media realm joining us today. His name, Justice De Los Santos, coming to us from sunny Bradenton, Florida, and... He is the envy of R.I. today because I'm in uh, Loretto, Pennsylvania, that's currently 18 degrees right now. So I'm envying the hell out of him. But Justice, thank you for coming on and taking some time and talking the plank
0: with us, man. It's good to have you. Appreciate y'all for having me. Appreciate y'all for having me. And yeah, it is, a. Uh, you know, I-, I said before we started recording that I prefer the cold weather, but 18 degrees, you know, I, I don't know about that. I- I'm from California where it's like 65 degrees all the time. So that's a little <laughs> that that might be pushing it a little bit. We'll get ready because when you come back to Pennsylvania, it's going to be a little chilly for the first few months. So for sure, yep. shout out! I, I want to give a quick shout out to my homie Micah because when I was making the drive across country, I didn't have like a proper winter coat. Like I had like I would throw on a hoodie and then I would throw on like another jacket on top of that, but like not like a proper like. Hey, it's like seventeen degrees outside. You should have something further. And honestly, if I didn't have that, I don't know if I would have <laughs> finished the cross country check. So shout out to my homie Micah.
1: Yeah, you're probably going to need that in Pittsburgh throughout April, at least once or twice. Uh, seeing how things are now, we have the Pitt- classic Pittsburgh spring going, where it's about it's going to be forty today, maybe seventy tomorrow, and then by the weekend it might be snowing again. We'll see. There it is. Yeah. All right. So let's let's talk some pirates then. Um, Justice, you are new on the Pirates beat and uh, writing at MLB.com, which is awesome. Um, I guess I guess we could just start off with some first impressions of Pirates Camp down there in Bradenton. Uh, what's kind of standing out to you? And um, yeah, you
0: could just start there. Yeah, you know, obviously coming onto the the beat for the first time, you, you know, you see a lot of these guys in terms of you know their stats, in terms of their reputation. You know, you do as much reading as possible, but it's one thing to read upon these guys, but it's another thing to actually see it and there there have been a couple guys who have kind of caught my attention both throughout games both throughout camp uh the first guy is someone that probably not going to be the opening day starter but he's probably going to be the second just based on way things line up is mitch keller and even before that i was hired even before i was hired to mlb.com i saw the uh the viral bullpen and i was like oh that is a (laughs) he's like pumping 97 98 99 100 according to his his bullpen catcher because I, I wrote a story about Keller and I got to talk to the person who caught that bullpen he said he touched 102 and so it's one thing to see that in an Instagram post it's another thing to see it in a game in live competition and just to see him lighting up the radar gun one of the one of the stats that I threw out after his second his second game is that in his first three seasons combined, Mitch Keller had 41 pitches that were 97 miles per hour or faster. Two games this spring, he's thrown 21. So the work that he was doing with Tread Athletics has translated into in-game action. And I'm really excited to see him, you know, over the course of a season, see how that kind of translates, you know, once you're consistently facing that major league competition. And let's be real, the other one's O'Neil Cruz, the person who I have learned I should probably, <laughs> I should probably be more careful when I tweet out anything only Cruz cruise related, lest my mentions just get absolutely blown up. <laughs> but you know, it's one thing to be able to see him lighting up Statcast, reading the articles, seeing the highlights. It is another thing to, to witness it in person, and I know that you know the second home run that he hit in Port Charlotte against the Rays. There was no exit velocity no distance, no nothing. But I can confirm as someone that was there. And I don't know if y'all saw Jimmy T's video, the one that he tweeted out, but that was me saying like Jesus Christ in the yeah, background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was me in the background. But because that's the that I felt like that was the only like appropriate reaction I could have. All I can say is like seeing that moment. It's just one of those swings when you hear it, when you see it, you're like, this is something that's special this is something that one of like what five human beings on this earth are capable of doing so in terms of guys who have stood out in terms of guys who have caught my attention those are definitely the two and you know looking forward to the season looking ahead towards the season those can be you know a pair of guys that we're looking at in terms of in terms of Keller I honestly wouldn't be shocked if you know if he's able to put it together he's kind of in that all-star contention and with O'Neill Cruz I wouldn't be shocked if once he arrives with the big league team whenever that might be if he's somewhere in the rookie tier condition. Not saying de- for sure they're going to be in either of those but just based on what I've seen so far, those are definitely conversations that can be had again. You know, small sample size aside that's, you know, just kind of based off what I've seen so far. And it's been fun to witness it so far.
2: We get back into Keller a little bit. Um <clears throat> just watching some of the broadcasts, Greg Brown has sort of touched on what Keller is uh, done this off season to really improve himself. And one of the things that he talked about was the Kikuchi role, uh, it's sort of a little bit of different footwork uh, just in conversation with, with Mitch. Um, what are some of the things that he's told you that he's really hammered on in terms of improvement this off season in terms, uh, aside from uh,
0: maxing his velocity up? Yeah. So I actually, in terms of the Kikuchi uh, drill, that's actually something that I had talked to about uh, with Devin Hayes, who, Keller had worked with a lot at tread athletics and, and into was in terms of you know providing some of that lower body mobility some of that you know stability in in that regard but in terms of what he's been doing um specifically and, and sorry to anybody that, that's read the article that I that I wrote on this but because there might be some over, like, overlap here but prior to the 2020 season what Keller had been doing was he had been he had been heading a, a sh- He had had a longer arm action. Then in the 2020 and 2021 season, he tried to shorten that arm action up, which if you look at the velocity numbers, there's kind of, you know, there's a, a little bit of a correlation there in terms of him shortening that arm action up and the actual velocity numbers in his rookie season. I think he was sitting at like 95. Once he shorted that arm action, he was sitting like 93. And I think last season in particular, it was, the slowest of his career so in this offseason in particular he abandoned the idea of wanting to shorten his arm action and at tread athletics his whole thing was re-lengthening that arm action you know among other things and that's translated not only to better velocity but it's translated into his secondary stuff playing better one of the the tidbits that really caught my attention when I was talking with Devin Hayes was that when they ran keller's data you know his velocity his spin rate all that stuff when they ran it through the tread athletics database his comparison was a former pirate garrett cole and in some cases some of his pitches actually had a higher rating than garrett cole just just in terms of you know velocity spin and all that stuff and when i asked keller about that he said you know leaderboards are cool being able to see his name next to a guy like Garrett Cole, another guy that was mentioned to me by Hayes, was a uh, Tyler Glass. Now, in terms of just how his stuff plays, and and while Keller said all that stuff is cool, you know, it, it, it's one thing to do that in a bullpen session where you're not facing live competition. It's another thing to do that against live con- competition and to consistently execute those pitches when it really matters most. And you know, just in in having those conversations with Keller, you know, he's a guy that's you know he's trying to Compared to Cole, in the sense of like how the actual on as anyone would, just how the actual on-field results are transpiring, rather than just in a bullpen session. So those are kind of the main things that I've discussed regarding Keller, and you know, based on you know a two-game sample size, and I believe he's pitching today as well. It's just been fun to watch that translate into in-game action, and you know, again, small sample size in mind, it feels like just like we're witnessing the foundations of what can be a breakout season.
1: Yeah, I kind of wonder because like you said, small sample and it it is really encouraging. Obviously, Keller's fastball, it's it's a four seam. It doesn't have a lot of like horizontal or vertical movement per se, but a fastball at 99 plays much different than a four seam fastball at 93-94. So I guess my question is, obviously now he looks awesome, but do you think that velocity is sustainable over the course of a full season? as a starting pitcher because you know as a reliever it could be easy to ramp it up when you only pitch one to two innings but as a starter trying to go five six innings do you think he'll be able to maybe not crack a hundred every time but kind of stay in that 97 plus velocity um
0: you know level yeah projecting velocity is is kind of an index science because you can point to guys like jacob Degrom, justin verlander who are able to reach back you know in the sixth, seventh, eighth inning and just really crank it up. But, you know, when we're talking, you know, those guys are inherently outliers and I don't want to make that comparison. But when you kind of see where his velocity was sitting at in his rookie season, I believe it was, it was 95 points something. I can't forget what it is. I think that it's not going, it's going to be in terms of his velocity this year. I think it's going to sit in that range. It might be a tick or two higher, but I don't think it's going to be, you know anything that's you know he's not going to be pumping like I don't want to say he's going to be on like 100 all the time but I can see a scenario where he's consistently and comfortably sitting in that 96 to 97 mile per hour range and you know based again his rookie season was quite a while ago back in 2019 but for his for him to be able to you know sit comfortably in that range it's not something that was you know he's it's completely new it's something that we've seen before and you know it's gonna oscillate on a start-to-start basis, it's gonna oscillate based on how he's feeling. But from just from my vantage point, there doesn't seem to be anything inherently unsustainable. Maybe it's gonna be like a tick or two lower compared to in the over the course of a full season compared to what we see over the course of spring. But I think that he's comfortably gonna be sitting in that 96-97 mile per hour range with his fastball. And one thing that I forgot to mention as well is that Keller has also been working on a new slurve he said it was something that he tried out and he just felt comfortable with he actually busted it out I think he threw seven or eight of them during the game against the Phillies I think some of them actually registered as curveballs but that's also something to be mindful of Keller as well not just the velocity and also not just the secondary stuff as well it's just his ability to throw that stuff over the plate which has been the other main thing of how he's performed this spring it's no he's not just throwing you know, 97, 98, 99, 100. He's always so throwing it over the plate. He's also commanding it very well. Well, mixing
2: speeds, changing locations. It's what Mitch Keller is trying to do to bring him back that success factor that he had back in the minor leagues. But I want to get—I want to step away from the player talk a little bit and talk about you a little bit, Justice. Uh, obviously new to the Pirates beat on MLB.com, some big shoes to fill, the pun king and Jake Krauss is – uh, he's moved on to bigger and better things with the MLB. And now you fill in his role. And, uh, I got a, I guess I got a few, this is sort of like a two to three parter question. The first one is who is justice de los Santos? Um, what makes you unique and do you have any puns or do you have any puns lined up for
0: the year as the season evolves? to start with the last one I have already irritated the ever living hell out of <laughs> Jason, Alex, Kevin, Mike. I have irritated the ever living hell out of them with dad jokes. It has been like that is my forte, that is like my bread and butter. I have and they already absolutely <laughs> they already they're sick of it. I I I'm trying to think of one off top that I've told them right now. I'm going to give myself a, like a cup like 10 seconds to try to think of one. But it is just there Okay. So a couple it was a couple days ago. I can't remember what it was, but Jason, again, Jason Mackey, he was, he was holding a banana. I forgot why. I think he ate it. He's trying to throw it away. And I was like, Hey, Jason, it looks like you're kind of in a slippery situation over there. And he's he just like, looked, at, he just looked at me with the most like, Oh my God. They've already told me to like, they're trying to, they've been trying to call Jake for weeks and try to see if they can coax him back into it into coming oh, no. on here because w- what jake has in the puns i have in the dad jokes and it is just quick it is off top um the first part of that question that is a very existential question <laughs> 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 who is just who is Justice? let's get real philosophical at 9 30 yeah let's get real you know i've barely been you know i have my coffee barely anything in my stomach let's get real crazy <laughs> with it um i mean just to, i'll provide like a little bit of, of background stuff um you know, I'm a very proud Filipino-American, uh, Filipino-Irish as well. I-, I like to sneak that in. That's like a very, uh, it's a very unique combination just for, just for me being out in the world. Every time I see someone else that's Filipino-Irish, it's like, oh, there's more of us out there. But, you know, from the Bay Area, from Hercules, California, in particular, that's East Bay. Uh, grew up watching a lot of Giants ball, grew up watching a lot of A's ball. Uh, went to, I went to University of California Berkeley, you know, a nice little school. In terms of the athletics, it's kind of, I, I, I try not to speak of the, athletic, <laughs> the athletics that much. But, you know, that's just kind of a, a brief taste of my background. I'm Sorry, there's like a lot of different places like my mind can kind of go in terms of that. Um, in terms of like the love of baseball, that's just like always been inherently ingrained. Here, here's a story I can give y'all. So I, I started loving baseball before I could even like properly conceive, like, like two words like put together. And for my fourth birthday, which is the 2002, that was 2002, which is the year that the Giants went to the World Series and lost to the Angels. And Giants fans still have so much disdain for the Rally Monkey. It's a sensitive subject in the Bay. Don't ever bring it up. <laughs> but my mom got me like this. It was the commemorative DVD for that season or for that, that, that whole year. And I just remember being like four years old, watching that thing on repeat. And there's just like so many memories from this like rant, like this season when I like I'm not even five years old ingrained. And, and I would like talk to my friends and I would be like, what do you mean you don't remember David Eckstein's walk off Grand Slam against the Blue Jays when the Blue Jays were wearing like <laughs> those, you know, the jerseys that were like they had the blue sleeves and like the white like the yeah. gray body. I was like, what do you mean you don't remember Kenny Lofton's walk off single to send the Giants to the World Series? And so <laughs> that's just kind of where I am for a love of baseball in terms of pirates i'm not going to lie a lot of my pre-existing pirates knowledge comes from barry bonds yeah. like so and, and i understand that's also kind of a sensitive subject yeah um i tweeted out a couple weeks ago imagine if the pirates had actually drafted griffey because i know that it, it because of the weird like al stuff that the pirates actually got stuck with the number two pick and i think i tweeted something to the effect of hey if Griffey was in center field instead of Bonds, you'd think he would have listened instead of Andy Van like, <laughs> to, to move in. Probably. In, in 92. <laughs> so I, I'm not gonna I, I apologize if I'm triggering anybody right now, but that's just kind of where my where my knowledge comes from. I also have the memory of Jason Kendall like jumping over a catcher. That, that was, I nice. think was the twins game. But uh what was the second part of the question? I know this is a three-parter. I hit the what, corners.
2: What uh what sort of Things do you bring that's unique to the Steel City, and just—I uh, know it's a very, very vague question, but just like, you know, it, it seems like everybody who comes in, they have a different, uh, different thing about them that makes them unique. What makes you unique when you come to Pittsburgh? More philosophical, I mean, just
0: based stuff. on the way my—I I mean, based on the way my mentors are going, I guess it's got to be the swag, right? <laughs> I'd say so. <laughs> I th- I think that might be a component. I remember the first video that I posted when I was wearing these glasses, I think it was very polarizing. Some people were like, I dig them. Some people were like, "What? Like who the hell is this kid that's like coming through <laughs> and wearing these glasses? And it's funny just cause like when I was, you know, when I was like growing up, I didn't exactly, I never considered myself someone that I was like, oh yeah, I got the drip, I got the juice, I got the swag. Like none of those types of things. But I guess like <laughs> early on in terms of, you know, I've been I've been told that the California cool thing is real and like it, it wasn't anything like I ever like tried to like ex, like explicitly do. Just I remember having a conversation with someone that like wasn't from the Bay and they were like, yeah, like that's a real thing. I'm like, oh, it is. So I, I guess that's like one element of it. I think the other aspect and I touched upon it in the first one is, you know, just being a Filipino American in this space, because, you know, if we're being quite honest, we don't see like a lot of, you know, Asian Americans in particular in the space, but Filipino Americans as well. I have the i've had the blessing of having uh, mark karig over at the athletic uh be a mentor to me who's not just a filipino american but he also this is some crazy stuff he also went to high school with my sisters like two of my three sisters which that's just like a whole small world thing uh josh Tolentino as well who covered the rays for a year filipino american as well but you know in terms of us being able to carve out you know a space in this arena i, I would say that's one of the aspects as well and you know, as much as I, you know, enjoy covering ball, like that's one of those aspects where I'm always kind of going to, kind of going to let that element of me shine. And, you know, whether it be my, my, I think there's also something to be said about Filipino Americans from the Bay area in particular. <laughs> like we just, there's like a certain, like kind of X factor to us. I don't know if X factor is the right word, but like the running joke is like, you, there's like Filipinos and there's Filipinos from the Bay. So you co- you kind of combine like those two elements. And I, I would say that, <laughs> that that's kind of the, I would say that's one of the things that makes me. I don't. I don't like to use the word unique. I don't think like I'm exactly a one on one or anything. But you know, makes me a, a maybe a little different.
1: <laughs> that's very cool. Have you gotten a chance to visit Pittsburgh at all?
0: I have. It, God, this entire since I since I drove cross country, it's been a blur just to like where I've been. I think I've slept in like 8 or 9 different beds just beyond like B&Bs and hotels it, and like air mattresses and couches. It has been a lot since I like I moved. Just to to summarize that 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 trip real quick. So, I got hired in early February. I left on Valentine's Day. I started my cross-country drive. I went from the Bay to Salt Lake City, Salt Lake to Cheyenne, Wyoming, Cheyenne, Wyoming to Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha, Nebraska to Chicago. I stayed there an extra day from Chicago to Pittsburgh. I was in Pittsburgh for about two days. Then I went down to Bradenton for Pirate City for about a week. Then I came back to Pittsburgh and this is in the middle of the lockout. So I just didn't, you know, in terms of long-term where I was going to be, I didn't really have like a, a fine like a tried and true idea. Got my, I locked down an apartment on March 10th. Not even 24 hours later on March 11th, lockout ends. I'm on the first flight out to Florida and now I've been in Florida for like <laughs> the last two, two, three weeks. I don't even know. It's, it's been a lot of, <laughs> it's, it's been kind of uh, jarring in that sense. But I, to answer the actual question, I have been able to spend a little time in Pittsburgh. Went to Permanis. Oh, I didn't yeah. have time to go to DeLuca's. Yeah. That's the spot that I'm trying to oh. go to when I'm back. Uh, Commonplace Coffee, that's my spot. Um, I got to go to White Whale Books. Um... Where else i went to mount washington did a little walking over there got to see that's the where Florida i preside city. there we go yeah um <laughs> and honestly every time i've driven through fort Pitt, that's what it's called right fort Pitt. yep the tunnel yep every time i've driven through that tunnel it feels like a movie like as as beautiful as the bay area is i don't think there's like one like kind of bridge or tunnel that can exactly replicate that feeling of when you mm-hmm. drive through and honestly like I have only been there for about like maybe 10 days total but I'm already falling in love with the city. It's like my type of city. Like I I I know a lot of people my age they kind of they're attracted to like the New Yorks and the Los Angeleses but like for me personally that's like way too much going on and I like just the overall the feeling I'm at like when I'm in the city. Like it never feels like overwhelming it feels very it feels very comforting to like be in that in that space.
2: That's a good way to put it. It feels like it's it's just enough of a city, but it's not too much to the point where it's overwhelming. Right. So, Well, Justice. with that said, what are some things that you're looking forward to whenever, you know, when you finally get settled into Pittsburgh, you're not just there for a cup of coffee. Like, I mean, there's a lot of things to sort of take in along or other than the beautiful scene of PNC Park. But uh, what are
0: what are some things that you're looking forward to the most of Pittsburgh? I'm looking forward to buying a mattress. <laughs> that that is like number one, two, three, four, and five for me right now. Just like I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick out my like perfect little queen size bed and not have to, because like it, it is. I I have missed my bed back at home. Like that's it's one of those things that like you don't you don't really understand until you leave. But like once I'm able to like settle into my apartment, that's like the the biggest one of them. This is a kind of a, a story that kind of summarizes just how disorienting this entire endeavor has been. The first night I moved into my apartment, I forgot to buy a shower curtain. And so when I showered that like my my entire like bathroom was flooded. It was one of those moments I was like, oh my God, like this is this is new life really. This (laughs) this is the dream right here. (laughs) But I mean, the other aspect is, you know, there's a lot of games that I'm looking forward to. Um, it's, it's way down the line, but I'm looking forward to that first game when they go back to San Francisco. Just I know mm-hmm. how much can you know when you're away from home for a while and you go back home, like your kind of deep changes. But I think in the short term, the one game that I'm really looking forward to right now is opening day, because it's one thing to you know have your first opening day. I'm going to have the opportunity to have that with my homie Katie Wu over the athletics. She covers the Cardinals. She's not exactly from the Bay Area proper. She's like a like a 10, about five to 10 miles outside of what we consider the Bay. But for all intents and purposes, let's just say it's two Asian American kids from the Bay Area who get to celebrate opening day together. And then you throw in Albert Pujols like being in the mix, whether they go with a righty or a lefty. I think Pujols is going to be in the starting lineup and considering the opening day starter might very well be Jose Quintana. That makes the decision all the easier. I'm looking forward to the home opener. Like I've heard so many good things about the view. I've heard a lot of people say that PNC is the most beautiful park in the entire country coming from San Francisco Bay area, you know, going to, I still call AT&T. I'm not going to call it Oracle, going to (laughs) games at AT AT&T as much as I did I'm, I might have a little something to say about that but you know I'm excited to be able to see that place in all this glory and you know take take my laps around the stadium and you know try to recreate where Taylor Lautner was running in that one movie that took place in yeah I, <laughs> I, I, I forgot like what it was called but I just remember like seeing <laughs> that clip so I'm excited for those elements as well and you know just being able to you know visit like the cities that i'm gonna have the opportunity to visit like i've been to wrigley before but i haven't been to wrigley as like a member of the press corps and i'm also excited this is like a sidebar i'm, I'm excited to try skyline chili whenever i go to cincinnati that's a take very, that's a very it's very polarizing i know that but i mean i've never tried it i have no horse in this race so gotta try it yeah uh, until i've actually tried it but you know there's just a lot of things that I'm looking forward to I've also this is like the really the film photographer nerdy side of me but I got some film developed yesterday of just like taking photos around not just Lee Com Park but also some over at Pirate City some over in Port Charlotte Dunedin so be on the lookout for that I, I still yeah. I, I still firmly believe that I'm the best photographer among like all baseball beer reporters, and I know Anthony DiComo Brian Hoke might got something to say about that but you know Photo for photo, I'm ready to throw down. I got See like I got my art, I got my archives ready to go. Locked and loaded. Locked and Shout out to Josh though, Josh the team photographer. We've been trying to workshop a nickname for him for the last like two weeks. I've been calling him the million dollar man with the million dollar camera, but that's just too long.
1: We saw O'Neal Cruz too with the camera, putting in the camera work a little bit as
0: well. Yeah, he's coming for Josh's job. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was also uh Michael Perez he had one of those moments earlier in camp too and I, I cracked a joke with him I was like hey looks like you're working on two different types of framing there
1: <laughs> yeah I see that there's the dad jokes right there
0: <laughs> They love the to see of, that there we go
1: um yeah so I guess speaking of opening day um I saw your article predicting the opening day roster and um didn't see O'Neill Cruz we've We've talked about that at length on this podcast, just kind of accepting the fact that uh, service time is probably going to be in- manipulated here or in the name of development, we'll see. But uh, how ready do you think O'Neill Cruz is for the bigs?
0: I think that we're going to see O'Neill Cruz sometime in May. I don't think he's going to be in AAA for that long a period of time. And I, I know when I tweeted this out, you know that whole thing of like hey you gotta have you, you know you have to wonder whether this is good for his long-term development I know a lot of people were bringing up names like Juan Soto and Fernando Tatis Jr guys that skipped A entirely and went pretty much straight to the big leagues and you know O'Neal Cruz wouldn't technically be in that boat he did have a couple games at A, but the way that my mind kind of goes is that is the and again this is me kind of playing like the both sides argument here it's that it like Guys like Tatis and Soto are kind of like the most extreme outliers possible when making that argument. The other way you're, the the kind of counter to that is Wander Franco, who's like the first 80 grade prospect since Mike Trout began the season in AAA as well. And and then he goes on to have the fantastic season that he does. And the kind of question that I pose is if O'Neal Cruz plays 120 games this season, Does it really truly matter whether that happens like from April 7th onward or from like May 1st onward? And I think there's validity to both sides of that. And one thing that I I realized that I've never actually said on Wax or actually ever tweeted out was that if it was up to me, I personally would have him on the opening day roster. And it's kind of answer your question a little more directly just, and kind of allow him to get that seasoning, allow him to get that experience, especially with the team rebuilding as it is and with that eye towards the future. But, you know, I, I see the validity of, of both sides of it in terms of, you know, you want to get him a little, a little more seasoning as well as AAA, allow him to work on some things, allow him to potentially work on some stuff in left field and even even right field as well. But then there's also the argument of like he's hitting balls 100. And he, he's doing things that Stanton and Judge do pretty consistently in terms of yeah. batted ball velocity. And, you know, we, we could like flip flop, like, but like we could both sides this thing all day, <laughs> but that's just kind of where that, that's kind of like my more diplomatic answer on it. It's, I can see the argument for O'Neill Cruz being on there. That's a valid argument. I also see the argument for O'Neal Cruz starting at AAA, which is the likeliest scenario, which there's also validity to that argument as well. It's a painful process to talk
2: about because you, you, you want to see Cruz in the bigs, but like you also got to play some you've got to play the numbers game essentially. And like you said, you know, juggle around his service time a little bit. And I mean, he's going to be up, like you said, he, would you rather have 120 games, you know, in the early part of the season through the later part or at any point in the season. So I think, you know, just seeing him in the major leagues is definitely calming to the, from a fan's perspective. And the fact that we're going to see him at all is pretty special, but along with Cruz, what are some other young names you think are going to crack the major league roster at some point this season? I mean, uh, Rowansi Contreras, a highly touted pitcher that's, that made uh, it stop for a cup of coffee in Pittsburgh last year. And then some young outfield talent, Kanan Smith and Jigba just comes to my mind along with Cal Mitchell. Just who are some other names you think that we could
0: see on the major league roster this season? Yeah. Ruanze Contreras is the one that you brought up. And I think of all of their kind of main prospects, I think he's one of the guys that's most in line for having a significant impact at the major league level this season outside of just a cup of coffee. And, you know, we saw the good in terms of, you know, the first pitch that he threw in spring training was pumping, I think it was like 99.4 miles per hour, or something of that. But then we kind of see the other end of that where in his second outing, I think he gave up. It was either one or two home runs. And you kind of see the, the element of like, there is, you know, some additional work and some additional seasoning that might be required on this end. But he's another guy that I can see, you know, making a significant amount of starts at the major league level. And then Smith and Jigba as well. He was one of those guys that, over these last couple of days, you know, he he was optioned to AAA Indianapolis after the Pirates loss over the Yankees. But just in his last two games, I was just really impressed by what he was able to do, you know, both in terms of power and speed against the Orioles in a game that was not televised. So y'all are just going to have to take our word that a home run did happen. He goes yard against the Orioles. And then the next day he, had, he you know, smacks a, I think it's like 105 mile per hour single and then steal second. I think he ended up with two steals. And. You know, with the outfield, I think it's hard to really nail down someone that might be in the outfield aside from Brian Reynolds for the entirety of this season. And I think Smith and Jig was going to be one of those guys that we, you know, see getting a little run, see getting a little burn, you know, once we hit over the course of the season. And, you know, with those two guys in particular, it's going to be really fun to just like see how they can transform that opportunity into trying to lock down long terms of sex, because the one thing about this team is that there is going to be opportunity this season and, and the season's coming. The season's coming forward for, you know, guys to really establish themselves and guys to earn some staying power here.
1: Yeah. Kind of uh, furthering the prospect talk. Is there, is there any prospects that have really stood out to you that won't probably won't make the majors this year, but there may be a few years away
0: in terms of him actually make this, this guy I'm about to talk about in terms of actually making the majors, I could see him getting his cup of coffee, but the reason I want to talk about him has nothing to do with actual baseball. I want to talk about Leo Verpiguero because he is just genuinely one of the most fun human beings to ever be around. (laughs) Like the way that I started my lead on the, the little piece I wrote about him is like, you don't have to see him to know he's there. You just hear him. And he has about like a two and a half foot two foot boom box that the second he gets in the locker room is just like bumping. And he's like one of those guys that like when he's around, he just keeps things loose. He keeps things fresh. He keeps things exciting. And, you know, just being able, it was actually funny, a, a small little story. I was, it, it was, I remember it being a Wednesday cause I was wearing my Wu-Tang shirt, you know, Wu-Tang Wednesdays. And I was talking to Peguero and he saw my shirt and then he pulls out like a Wu-Tang shirt of his own. I'm <laughs> like, this, mm. this, this dude right here. It was like the the classic, like the the yellow logo with the Wu-Tang symbol on it. But he's yeah. just one of those guys that's so much fun to be around. And, you know, he had a really fantastic all-around season. And I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, he's able to work his way up and get a cup of coffee himself at the big league level this season. Going down deeper into the farm system, someone that – really caught my attention in camp was andy rodriguez you know i wrote a piece about him as well in terms of just the pure versatility that he has and you know while he's he's primarily going to be a catcher along with his secondaries being first base and left field but this is a guy just just based purely on the athleticism he almost it's it's almost like he doesn't have like the traditional catcher build where you know it's someone that's kind of bulkier Someone that's a little more built. Like he looks like someone that could play any position around the infield and play conceivably well. And, you know, we saw him taking grounders at second base at Pirate City. He's gotten time all around the infield. He's gotten time at all three outfield positions during his time in the minor leagues, whether he continues to get time there as well. He's even pitched two thirds of a scoreless inning, which, you know, that's, that is like, he's not going to pitch anytime soon, but just like the fact that he has that in his bag as well. And it's just going to be really interesting to see like his progression as well because. You know, with Henry Davis being the being billed as the franchise cornerstone behind the plate, and if Frank, and if Henry Davis is able to make his way up through the minors and and establish himself as that guy, Andy Rodriguez's ability to play all around the diamond, whether that be first base, left field, or even second base, or even third base, that's going to be a means of getting his bat in lineup. And there's even an argument to be made that it just in terms of pure contact hitter with with all respect to Nick Gonzalez, there is an argument to be made there that Andy Rodriguez is like the best pure hitter in the organization among the prospects. Um I'm trying to think of one more to give y'all guys. Well Tanaj Thomas told in my very first interview on the Pirates Beat said he was going to be better than Jacob deGrom. Okay. So, I love to hear that. Yeah, that, that, that was like literally the very first interview over at Pirate City that we did, that I did like on the Pirates beat. And I'm like, oh, this is a – welcome, welcome to the beat. But, you know, Thomas is one of those guys that has a very electrifying arm. And for him, it's a matter of being able to, you know, consistently command the strike zone, being able to consistently throw strikes because the strikeout stuff is there. The secondary stuff is a little bit of a work in progress, but it's like – you know, just for him to have that confidence in himself. It's one of those guys that you like you have to, you know, just take a look at his numbers every once in a while and see where he's kind of at. So I would say those are some of the guys that I would be keeping an eye on. And then, you know, you have some of the, the higher prospects as well. Matt Frazier, the reigning Honus Wagner player of the year award winner. You do have Nick Gonzalez, who was fantastic last season. Someone's screaming behind me. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. And then Quinn (laughs) Quinn, it is oh god, I I have I have too many Florida stories already. Then you have like guys (laughs) like (laughs) then guys like Quinn Priester as well. You know, Quinn Priester, he's he's talked about wanting to be one of those guys that's pitching in the biggest moments on the biggest stages. So there's a lot of guys when you look at this farm system that you're excited to watch, but those are some of the guys that I'm gonna be keeping an eye on just as the season progresses, even if we don't see them over in Pittsburgh. And, hey, I'm, I might even need to make a stop to Altoona. Just, yeah, just honestly. That, that, yeah. that level of the farm system is going to be so much fun to watch. Like, you could like, I don't have an exact number in mind, but you, you might see, like, just by season's end, like, Andy Rodriguez, since he wanted to be there, Henry Davis can conceivably be there, Quinn Priester, Carmen Majinski, just there's going to be a lot of guys up there, and it's going to be a really fun team to watch. So I would just keep an eye out on that team in particular.
2: Well, let's narrow it down a little bit more. Um, One of the biggest uh, competitions this spring that is for the Pirates is the infield sort of look, especially the middle infield piece. Uh, Obviously, Kevin Newman, highly touted to return, but then the emergence of Cole Tucker. Uh, You've written about Diego Castillo and how well he's impressed. And I mean, there's reason to believe that he could possibly make the active roster this season. And then obviously just a few other, you know, crews just to name another one. There's, there's a lot of competition in the middle infield. Look, how do you think that's going to shape up at the beginning of the season and how it could change over the course of the season?
0: I think the joke with the Phillies is that they're composed entirely of DHS. And I think the joke with the pirates is that they might just be composed entirely out of like, middle infielders that can play all around the diamond <laughs> but you know Kevin Newman is the one I think just kind of based on our conversation at Cruz there's not much to delve into there although I am either to, I don't know when this is going to go up but I'm writing a story on Kevin Newman right now and there's a, a cameo from another guy who was a defensive minded shortstop who you know had his struggles at the plate a guy that was a, a Minnesota twin for about 24 hours so that, that's your little spoiler right there in terms of a voice Ooh. that you'll hear in there But in terms of second base, Cole Tucker's having an amazing spring as well. You know, he just – I don't know why we didn't have the exit velocity or distance for the home – I think we had the exit velocity, we didn't have the distance for the home run that he hit off Garrett Cole against the Yankees, but, you know, just the way he's swinging the bat, the presence that he has in the plate. I'm going to have to – I'm going to ask him about this. But when I was re-watching the home run against Cole, there was purely from a stance perspective. I need to, to clarify this purely from a stance perspective. There was, a, it felt like a little Harper. And again, purely from a stance perspective, aggregators do not take this and run with <laughs> it. <laughs> but again, I'm going to, I'm going to rewatch that, but that was just my initial impression of just kind of like the way he was loaded up in the box. And he's just been taking some great swings this spring and, you know, it's a big season for him. Yeah. You know, he, the first couple of seasons in the big leagues, just in terms of the, where the expectations were, he, if we're going to be completely honest, like he's that level has not been kind of reached so far. And so this is a very big season for him. I can see him ending up in the starting second base role, especially just with the way he's been swinging the bat. And then, you know, the thing with opening day lineups is a lot of these guys, I can see them in multiple positions. Like I can see Tucker at second. I could also see Tucker. He he actually had a cameo. It was just one inning, but he played left field on. It was on Sunday for one inning. Him and O'Neill Cruz swapped positions and As a pirate, he's never played left field. He's done it a couple times in the minors, but you know that's something that I'm going to be looking out for as, as we kind of reach the, the final eight games of spring. And then to kind of round out the bench there in terms of guys that you know kind of fill in this middle infant role. We talked about Cruz. Diego Castillo has had one hell of a spring. He's primarily played second base and shortstop for the majority of his career, but we have seen a, a decent chunk of him at third base, and he's played really well at third base too. You know, in that game against the Orioles, that wasn't televised. So, again, you're going to have to take my word for it here. <laughs> he made this really nice bare handed play. It was like a really slow chopper hit his way, fields it on the bare hand, makes a throw over. And you're looking at this guy like, dang, this guy's only played like less than 20 games at third base. And so he possesses that versatility there. Michael Chavis, another guy that we could potentially see know rounding out the bench someone that can play multiple positions first base second base a little bit of outfield and then another guy just in terms of purely versatility i think in terms of guys to round out the bench you'll be hard pressed to find someone that has like more gloves in his bag than hoy park just because when you're like looking at his you know where he played last year he was second base third base short left field center field right field like he's played all over the diamond and with the rosters you know reportedly expanding to 28 that's one of those guys that's you know. It's great to have him just because if you need to, especially with the condensed spring and especially as you want to make sure that these guys are hundred as, as close to 100% as they can be, having someone that can conceivably go out to any of those positions and hold his own defensively just makes things a lot easier in terms of, oh, hey, we need to get Brian Reynolds a blow today. Let's let's throw Hoy out in center field. and Or let's throw like Greg Allen center field and then we can, you know, move Park over to right field or, or things of that nature. Or, you know, we need Numenates to get a blow, so maybe – we shift Tucker to short and then we throw Park at second. So versatility, especially in today's game is just so valuable. And that was part of the reason why I referenced Andy Rodriguez as I did. And so I think that the, you know, this in terms of how the bench is going to round out, I kind of see it coming down to either Park or Castillo and there are arguments to be made for both of those guys. Castillo has had the better spring, but Park kind of offers more of that versatility that I mentioned. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see like over these next eight games, just if either of those guys can do anything to really lock down one of those last spots on the bench and they're both on the 40 man roster. So that makes things a lot easier in terms of, Hey, if we need to bring one of these guys up to the big league team, we don't have to DFA anyone.
1: Yeah. Uh, This is my last question, but yeah, kind of, kind of looking at the major league roster, I think it's filled with a lot of prove it guys that, you know, you don't want to say quad-A type guys, but a lot of these guys, if if they don't produce this year, it, it might be it for them in terms of getting starting opportunities. Guys like Park and Chavis and Cole Tucker, Kevin Newman. Do you have a favorite of any of those that you think could break out this season in a, in a big way and, like, kind of, you know, put themselves in the mix for further future years to come for winning teams, hopefully?
0: Yeah, sure. I think the, among the guys that you've mentioned, I would say, and I don't know if breakout kind of qualifies as the right word, but uh, you know, just in, in conversations that I've had and being able to watch him at the plate so far. And again, for, for listeners, I need you to hear me out. When I say this, <laughs> hear me out for the entirety of what I'm saying, but i am just, it's, I think the guy that comes to mind is Newman. And, you know, it's one thing you look at the swing change he's a little more straightened up. The hands are lower, which gives him a lot more time in the plate. And, He's had some very impressive swings of the bat so far during spring. and I know people are going to come with the counter argument oh, he hit 600 last spring and then look what happened. And yes, I'm very cognizant that you know this is spring training that this isn't you know a full season. but again in in the televi- in the untelevised game against the Orioles that I'm going to mention for like the 50th time, the double that he hit was about a 390 foot you know one hop the wall type blast and you know again, Small sample size, that's just one at bat, but I've just been very impressed with him on that side in in that realm. And the thing that I always kind of reiterate with Newman is that even with him having a 54 WRC plus last season, even with him having a 574 OPS last season, which both were the lowest in the majors, he still wasn't a net negative player, at least by fan graphs. I'm looking yep. at fan graphs, not, not not baseball reference. And that was just because of what he was able to do defensively is, you know, a little bit of base running as well. But that's just what he was able to do defensively. If you look at Newman's, you know, first couple seasons defensively, he was a net negative. Like when you look at his, you know, outs above average, when you look at his defensive run saved, I think by outs above average, he was like eighth, ninth percentile in 2019, 2020. And then last season, he's 81st. And that's like that's not an easy jump to make to go from one of the worst defenders, like one of the worst defensive shortstops in baseball to one of the better ones. That's not an easy jump to make. And again, like hitting and fielding, they're not in the same realm of difficulty because nothing is more difficult in the four major American sports than hitting a 98 mile per hour fastball that's elevated. But just in in the conversations that I've had and seeing his swing change so far, there I, I have some hope for optimism. Am I saying he's going to hit like four <laughs> hundred? No, that's that's not what I'm saying there. But I could e- I could very much easily see a season in which, regardless of where kind of Cruz falls into this equation, I, I could very conceivably see a season where he's a you know a two two and a half you know by f four two and a half at war guy and kind of like twenty nineteen. Kind of like 2019. I think that, you know, I, I wouldn't, you know, clamor. I saw someone like clamoring saying like, uh, he's gonna hit like 15 home runs, steal 15 bases, and gonna be traded. I'm like, by the All Star break, and I was like, that is a, that's a little much. But I, I could see him. I could conceivably see a season where he's, either, you know, gets back to the, you know, hitting double figures and home runs, or if not, there somewhere close, and then also providing the defense that he's provided last season. As well, and you know, if if Kevin Newman has a season where he's in like two and a half in the three F four range, that's a successful season. Yeah. And then he's still up. someone that you have under T control as well. And then you can kind of, with Cruz, you can figure some stuff out as well. Whether that be you know moving him to second base, that that probably be like the primary option if you wanted to keep him in the lineup. But they're like that's kind of where my mind goes in terms of guys that are poised to have a solid season, and that I could conceivably see having a season of that caliber.
2: I see. It didn't take long for the Pittsburgh faithful to show you just the thought process behind players. You know, you do good and you get shipped off. I see. It hasn't taken too long for you
0: to see. It. It, it hasn't. And I mean, that's something that I'm cognizant of as well. In that, this is a rebuilding team, and there are some guys on this roster that I could see like having a really good first half of the season and being able to command like a piece at the deadline. And you know, Jose Quintana might be one of those guys. Yoshitsugo might be one of those guys if they play well over the course of the first half because. Again, let's be real, this is this is a rebuilding team, the eyes towards the future. It's get these guys into the system as as much as you can. But that one in particular, I was like. <laughs> I, I know fan, fan has this thing where like when they're projecting players, it's like their their 99th percentile out or their 90th percentile outcome, their 80th. That, that is a that is a, a 90th percentile outcome by the by the deadline to <laughs> <Like, laughs> that's, that, that's not to say that Kevin Newman couldn't conceivably do it. I'm just saying, like, these are like, really, if this is your expectation, then this is like, you know, let's let's not throw the kitchen sink of expectations at the guy. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's a it's a hornet's nest of emotion, but I'll leave off on this. Um, well, we talk about the players, we talk about the thought processes from around the team. Um, I don't know how much access you've had to talk to Derek Shelton over the past few weeks, uh, but in any conversation that you have, what's sort of what are some things that you're picking up from him on his expectations for the season?
0: Not only have I talked to him pretty much every either before or every game, but he he witnessed me uh, fumble my words in a way that I've never fumbled my words before <laughs> when talking to a manager or coach. I forgot what the question was, but my brain just like broke down in the middle of a question. So I think just based off that alone, he's kind of got, we gotten to know each other a little well, but I think that there hasn't been like a a question directly linked to, you know, what are the firm and hard expectations? I wish I'd chosen my words better with that (laughs) in terms of what the expectations are in terms of this season, but, you know, just kind of based on where I'm gauging this season personally and, you know, not to try to, put thoughts into his mind but I think it's you know you get your young guys up when you can and you, you know you see what you have going forward and I think that's just going to be the theme of this team and you know you're this is a team that's looking forward to uh, 2024 2025 in terms of being able to contend and you know you know what you have in Reynolds you know what you have in Hayes and then from there it's just kind of seeing like who are these guys that can be with this team a couple of years down the road who can be consistent contributors and you know a guy like keller who i mentioned like that's a guy like that's you know in terms of if he's able to have a successful season that's someone that you can look for a couple of years down the line same thing with o'neill cruz and you know same thing with even a guy like ronzi Contreras, even Over paguero if he's able to make it up this season so in terms of the the pure wins and losses that's one thing but i think that above all else it's more you know who are the guys that are going to be with us who are the guys that are going to be able to push us to that next level who are the guys that are gonna get us into that you know you know in the conversation and then into contention and then contending like who are those guys going to be and that's gonna more than this isn't anything groundbreaking here but more than the wins and losses that's gonna kind of be the main thing that at least that i kind of look forward to or kind of seek out in my first season on the beat and hopefully a, a normal normal-ish season
1: yeah one last thing for you. Do you personally have a wins prediction for the Pirates this year?
0: After what the Giants did last year, I have just completely abandoned all hope of, <laughs> of trying to <laughs> predict wins and losses. Because <laughs> we're back in... Because I spent a lot of time around the Giants last year just because of my role with MLB.com. And it, it felt like every game I was like, how I would look at the roster and say what is happening right now? (laughs) But, you know, in in terms of wins and losses, I don't have an exact number, but I will say this. Based off kind of what's happening in Cincinnati, I wouldn't be shocked if the Pirates aren't the team that – if the Pirates don't finish in last place. That's fair. Because the Reds are kind of – it is a very odd situation. Even Chicago, too. too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because – you know, they, they bring in Marcus Stroman, and now I, I'm hearing, you know, again, I'm not tapped in or anything, but I'm just, like, seeing rumors that they might trade Wilson Contreras, and I'm like, what is, what was the point of, of all that? <laughs> so that that's kind of, like, my half prediction. That's not really a prediction. That's just me saying stuff. It's like, I, I would not be shocked if the Pirates finish fourth or even third, just kind of based off the way the the Central is kind of going, because it's almost like Besides the Brewers and, and Cardinals, it's almost like, hey, does anyone actually want to win the Central? Yeah. <laughs> well,
2: that's a good that's a good uh, guess, I'd say, and uh, definitely more optimistic one than I've heard in recent weeks slash years. So, yeah. Well, Justin, it's, it's been um, really fun having you on the show. Thanks for
0: talking the plank with us. Where can we find you on social media, man? Y'all can find me at Just Delos Santos on Twitter. I am. Um, I'm holding a personal war against Twitter because one, they won't fit my entire name into the app, but then they also won't verify me. (laughs) I've I've tried, I've tried to submit for verification twice. They, I don't know why, like, you know, my, my bylines are there. You know, I I try sending my ID for some reason. They're not taking it, (laughs) (laughs) It, but you know, maybe, maybe that's just the war that I wage all season. Maybe I don't need the verification. Let, let that be a, let that be a lesson to y'all. You don't need outside validation to be who you want to be on the inside. You don't need it. Although, you know, that being said, it, it, it would be kind of nice for them to, you know. It'd be cool. Don't me the check. Don't be me the check. <laughs> you and Bly Madrid should form a... <laughs> you, you and a Bly Madrid should form
2: a coalition to try and rally together and get Twitter to verify both of you guys because you guys are campaigning
0: super hard to get that. Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll ask him about it today. I tried trading sunglasses with him yesterday or the other day. <laughs> he wasn't going for it. Although he, he did get some respect. He said he was like the... I think he was the one that said those are the Joe Burrows. <laughs> uh yeah, a little bit. They got some Joe Burrow vibes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow got the buffs, though. That's that's Detroit. Shout out to Detroit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh you can read justice at mlb.com covering the pirates beat. Is there anything else you want to plug for us?
0: I would Maybe just your, well, your photography. You know I, I, you know, I got my photography on there. Um you I, and Alex I do, my do my little- the show. Yeah, me and Alex, like, you know, I'll, I'll include him into the mix in my little post game recaps every, every now and then. I try not to, you know, bother him too much, but, you know, I, I try to do my little recaps after every game. You know, some games are a little easier than others based on what happens. Um, the last thing I want to say is, uh, you know, take care of yourselves, man. You know, drink your water, get your sleep, you know, eat. make sure you're getting in your healthy meals. Take care of yourself, take care of your mental health. And the uh, last piece of thing that I would say in terms of that is uh, don't be mad online just just you don't have to be mad online this is not y'all in particular i'm just saying like hey i I stopped trying to fight i stopped trying to fight people on twitter and it made like my mental health went through the roof like like when the when i when i tweeted the whole cruise thing a couple weeks back it was it was a sunday night i was like y'all getting mad on a sunday night this is a this is a beautiful time of the this is your last remnants of the weekend y'all being mad online don't gotta be mad online (laughs) <laughs> terrible just, and also just you know this is this is not gonna happen i'm just gonna say be nice you know just try try to be nice <laughs> but yeah that's we the last that. thing take take care of you take care of your mental health drink make it make sure you're drinking your water if you if reach the end of this podcast i want you to drink a glass <laughs> of water and then tweet me with your your glass of water stay hydrated stay hydrated kings and queens and a uh, non-binary folk. you know
1: heck yeah Heck yeah! Well, hey, thank you so much for joining us. It's it's been really fun talking.
0: Yes, sir. I appreciate it. If y'all ever want to hand me back on, if I haven't annoyed y'all enough yet,
1: <laughs> y'all y'all know how to find me. <laughs> Most definitely.
0: Yeah, we'll probably have you on mid season or toward the end of the season, man. We'll recap later on. For sure, yes, sir. It'll be it'll be fun when y'all bring up the clips. When y'all bring up my old audio, my old takes, <laughs> old takes exposed. <laughs> we'll we'll see what I got wrong and what I got right. Hopefully, Hopefully more right. Is, Hopefully, it's more the latter than the former. Yes. We'll see. We'll see. That's that's the beautiful thing about sports. You never know what could happen.
1: Definitely. All righty. Well, yeah, you could always follow Bucks Dugout on Twitter as well, at Bucks Dugout. We got some good stuff there. So, everyone, have a great rest of your day. And uh, we'll be back next week talking some more Buckos. Peace out.